Are you a good witch or a bad witch? Hello and welcome to Witch Bitches Review. I am something to do with the human reproductive system. Phoenix Arcana Lightwood. And it's just way too awkward for me to talk about this with my niece. I'm Siren Rex Fry. And this is a podcast where two actual witches analyze and review representations of witchcraft in media and pop culture. Today we are discussing Charmed Season 2, Episode 3, The Painted World. And this is an extra special episode because... (laughs) We're recording in the same room together! We're literally right next to each other! We've never done this before, and I'm, like, super excited about it. Yeah, it's sort of surreal. Yeah. It feels, like, backwards. But do you know what I think? I think the fact that I can see your face... (laughs) <laughs> and know when you're actually trying to speak. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe make me care about letting you talk. <laughs> I certainly fucking hope so. No promises. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's pretty bitchin'. I am visiting Phoenix in Chicago for a week, and we're going to try to record maybe like three episodes together. I'm so stoked. Yes. This is going to be so fun. It's already been fun having you be here, but like to be able to record our show together, like in the same room and like feel each other's energy more. I think it's going to be, it's going to make for some really good content. I think it's going to be fucking badass. It's a little, it's, I have to, this is weird. Yeah. Cause like, I feel like I'm just like talking to you, like we're hanging out, but there's this like microphone here and it's making me be all different and shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I definitely, I can, I can feel that I have, I have turned podcast mode on for sure. It's like that switch flip. It's like having your customer service voice, but you have podcast voice. Yeah. Do you know what actually it is? Okay. If I sit like this and I look at the microphone and I look at my laptop, I'm like totally chill. But as soon as I look over at you, I'm like, wait, (laughs) this is weird. It, yeah, it's, it's really strange. Can you actually, maybe you should just go away. I'm kidding. (laughs) Don't go anywhere. I just can't look at you. Oh my God. You're like a... Like an eight-year-old singing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star at Thanksgiving. <laughs> I think I think what it is, if I look into your eyes and you look into my eyes, then I am acutely aware that you know that I'm really not that smart or cool. <laughs> <laughs> not um, at all. <laughs> no, I'm aware. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. I know you know. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm not fooling him. <laughs> Does it, doesn't it feel like the microphone is like a third person in the room? Yeah. Maybe we should Maybe just... that's where I got awkward because I was like, which one of you am I talking to? <laughs> yeah. It's like, because when we're on, when we're looking at our screens, it's easier to not think yes. about what we're doing. Yeah. But just like looking at each other and seeing the microphone set up, it's, it's a whole different vibe. Yeah. So we just need to figure our shit out. Right. But anyway, but before we get into the episode, I want to deal with a little bit of business. So podcasters make mistakes and Phoenix and I are no exceptions. I've definitely made a few. And because I'm so self-centered, I've listened to myself say them so many times. Because the biggest fan of Witch Bitches Review is actually just me. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think Connor might have to fight you for that title. I don't know. I feel like I probably listened to it more than he has. So anyway, um, from now on, we're going to do corrections on things that we get wrong in the next episode as soon as we learn that we've made a mistake. This thing I fell into before, I think, is I've, I've known about some things I've said wrong on the show and I've overthought, like, what's the best, most perfect way to correct them and stressed out about it so much that I just didn't do it at all. That's a kind of an MO for you. So. Yes. So I don't want to do that anymore. So I did just want to run through a list of things that I've said in the past that have been bugging me. Um, number one, Jex Blackmore is not a man. I referred to her with he, him pronouns in our episode on the witch. I don't know why I did that. Jex Blackmore is a cis woman. Yeah. What did I do? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Yeah. Um, I said Coco Van was duck, but it's chicken. I literally studied French Phoenix. I'm in no way smart. To be more serious, in general, I have mixed feelings about the things I've said about cultural appropriation. Like, when I listen back to it, I agree with what I say, but I ultimately don't like it. In the future, both Phoenix and I would really like to find ways to let um, people of the cultures in question speak for themselves. Even if we can only, you know, quote them rather than have them on the show. But I think that's just the best way forward when tackling cultural appropriation. And I'm going to try to put my voice a little bit more in the background. Um, There have been some times when we've said the phrase Judeo-Christian and when we really just meant Christian or possibly even Western. Um, Thanks to uh, Jenny from Heyadora for explaining the difference to me and why lumping them together is just sort of inaccurate. Also, I totally mispronounced Chabad um, when we talked about angels in Jewish culture in um, whatever episode that was. Oh my God's dick. <laughs> oh yeah, oh my God's dick. How could I forget with the title like that? Um, but that's just sort of disrespectful that I mispronounced it. So I did want to clear that up. Um, I made a joke about my ex in one episode that strikes me as a little transphobic now. My ex is trans, um, but this is not a problem for me and is not the reason that we got divorced. So I just don't like hearing that come out of myself. Transphobia sucks. So, Phoenix, is there is there anything you've made a mistake on that you'd like to come clean about now? No, I'm a perfect little angel and I've never done anything wrong. Thank you. I actually thought that you would say that. And so I prepared one for you. Your biggest mistake on the podcast. I've decided to help you clear it up now. I would say what it was, the thing that you really got wrong, is when you said that Hocus Pocus 2 was bad. Oh my god. God. On behalf of Phoenix, I would like to apologize for that now. He is very sorry. No, I'm not. So anyway, (laughs) on to the episode uh, about the title. It's called The Painted World. Well, there's not a lot to dissect here. (laughs) According to IMDb, this episode rated 8.1 out of 10 and is the one where Prue gets sucked into a motherfucking painting. Is that what it really said? (laughs) This episode originally aired on October 14th, 1999, and was written by Chris Levinson and directed by Kevin Inch. She gets in a, she gets sucked into a painting. She does get sucked into a fucking painting. It's just usually the descriptions aren't that good. (laughs) It is the most ridiculous thing as a concept. It's, it's like cool, but it's stupid. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's, I guess that's sort of the whole thing with, I was going to say this episode, but maybe that's sort of the whole thing with season two overall. Yeah. It's cool, but it's stupid. (laughs) It's cool, but it's stupid. But listen, when I discovered Charm Season 2, I was 14 years old, and I was also cool, but stupid. So, (laughs) vibing. Vibing. Every day I'm vibing. Um, I do like this episode, despite its problems, and despite what's, like, kind of silly about it. It is a lot of fun to watch, 
And it does feel to me like one of those quintessential Charmed episodes. I think this episode is super fun. I think it... I think that they're consistently raising the stakes in new interesting ways in season two. And that's why every new episode is exciting. Yeah, I can agree with that. This one definitely feels like it has a lot more levity than the last one. It does. But like, I mean, let's think about like what we've seen so far. Okay. The Book of Shadows disappeared. Whoa, that's huge. They traveled to the future and got stuck there. Shit, that's also pretty huge. They're stuck in a painting that catches on fire and they have no way out damn (laughs) yeah that is that is pretty it's something new every time and it's it just keeps being interesting and it's always like a little bit intense so i just feel like the episodes are moving at a really great pace and this is no exception i think the last episode's pretty hard to top and this one still keeps it interesting yeah but this one is is still good and despite morality bites possibly being the best episode of the season this one is a good follow-up in comparison. It's it's a little bit more lighthearted, but it still has some some intensity to it. You know, it still gets tense at times. Also, it's a Phoebe Saves the Day episode. And we love those. Yeah, Phoebe's the best in this one. We're not going to have too many more of those, so get ready. And it's because she's a screw-up that she saves the day. Yes. So fuck off, Prue. So the episode starts at Buckland's. Um, and Prue's using her stuff degree with low rent Lindsay Lohan and is like, blah, 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 paintings, paintings, paintings. I'm going to sell this painting better than anyone because I'm Prue. And Princess Merida is oversharing to be sus. Yeah. She's like, listen, don't think of this as suspicious, but I'm terrified of that painting. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm really uncomfortable here. Like, I don't want to overshare or give you any details, but things with me in the painting are bad. (laughs) So Phoebe crashes Prue's car. (laughs) (laughs) She did do that. She did do that. She sucks. Uh, She did. Like, in the opener, she's just like, hey, Piper, I just called to tell you, um, don't tell Prue I wrecked her car. Yeah. Um... But thank God she's going for a job interview for an interactive job on the internet. The job could not be more vague. No, it's like, it's ridiculous. What is this job? (laughs) This job is so complicated that Phoebe and the rest of us are too (laughs) stupid to understand. Which means there's no way she could do it. No. (laughs) I could probably do it. This whole, like, this whole thing, though, with Phoebe at this job interview is kind of ridiculous. It's a plot device. But this room is hilarious. Okay, this room full of people like competing for the one job, that's hilarious. <laughs> like we are currently in America in a nationwide staffing crisis. <laughs> yeah. And so and that's with, just really cute. Mm-hmm. But Phoebe's surrounded by all these fancy people that went to fancy colleges and fancy people that go to fancy colleges like to do nothing else but talk about their fancy colleges. Like me. Hi, I'm Siren <laughs> Rex Fry, niche witchcraft podcaster with a degree from blah, 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 blah. Let me tell you something. Having a college degree does not make me better than anyone else. In fact, very little makes me better than anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like, it's not super important um but anymore do you think this was maybe a little progressive for the time period when they were really pushing like i mean i remember back like i was being pushed like in school events like i'm sure you went through that too where they were like just kind of telling you like college is your only future yeah like they indoctrinate that into you at like school events that you can't opt out of yeah no 100 percent. and college was never really for me 
Um, actually, this gives us an opportunity to talk about something that I want to address, like, on my end. And that's our unexpected hiatus after the start of season two. I started a second job, and that job is now becoming my main job, but I was also in school at the time, and just didn't have time to, like, edit or do anything. And it made me realize that just college doesn't make me happy. It doesn't make me feel fulfilled. I didn't really feel like I was working towards anything. Not like I do when we're doing this show. How it feels like what I'm doing is important and I'm passionate about it and having fun. That wasn't that for me. And so like to be in a situation like what Phoebe's in right now like speaks true to me because so often I've been in situations with other people that are objectively more successful in life than I am and been made to feel very, very... Like there was this expectation on me to be a certain thing just because of the environment that I was in. Whether that's intentional or unintentional in a space, like it is here, like I get that feeling and it sucks. And for anybody to put the entire value on a person based on how much education they have is is ridiculous. I actually have a lot of complex political opinions about this. (laughs) What a shock. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I'll try to be concise. I think that colleges use elitism as a tool to justify how much money they charge people. They put this intense social value on an education that justifies people giving away so much money to the school to achieve whatever social status the school can give them. Um, But this naturally excludes people who can't afford it. And so it's almost like colleges help make poor people also feel like they're dumb. (laughs) Yeah. And because you're dumb, you deserve to be poor. And maybe if you were smarter, you wouldn't deserve to be poor. So I think it's a byproduct of the strategy of charging obscene amounts of money to keep the ruling class in the ruling class. The byproduct and actually maybe intentional other consequences making poor people feel like they're stuck where they are and stupid and they deserve it. Well, I mean, like, the exclusiveness of college is, is, yes, it's about like social status and keeping people in power, but also it was born out of like racism. The ACT SAT test existing came into being because too many black people were getting into college and white people didn't like it. Of course they didn't. So they instituted this like standardized test that they knew people in underfunded communities probably wouldn't be able to pass. And it sucks. And so here's the problem is that education is um, a business and a, status reinforcer when it should be a public service because everyone should have access to education and education should include fields that are taught in like high ranking colleges, but it should also include things that are taught in vocational schools and life skills. Education should be available to everyone for whatever they need to learn about to get by in their life. But that's not the system we live in. Fuck that. Anyway, I didn't mean to like divulge there so much, but like it really was Quite a humbling experience to be like, this just isn't for me. This is not what I want to do. It's never worked for me in any traditional sense of the word. And now I'm doing what I feel like I'm meant to be doing. And that's pretty fucking bitchin'. And I don't need college to do it. No. And so I think we all understand where Phoebe's coming from. But I think we already agree with the message imparted by this episode, which I actually think is really good. That Phoebe is valuable regard- irregardless of the fact that she didn't go to college. Yeah. Like, that doesn't determine her worth or value. And also, maybe the things that she thinks she has access to, if she 
has this college status whatever are actually just bullshit to begin with. Like this fucking room with this fake job. Yeah. And these people who are like white and blonde and have clipboards. <laughs> um, yeah. Sorry, Phoebe, you didn't get a special piece of paper, so we're going to kick you the fuck out of here. It's just awful. Yeah. So I know that, you know, you're like stupid and reckless because you never went to college. And I'm like smart and better than you because I did go to college like Piper is with Phoebe. Yes. But really, really, truthfully, there's the fact that I went to college and you didn't is like no bit of important distinction between us whatsoever. No. At Mm -hmm. all. Nope. You still have a myriad of skills that I don't. So this guy that Phoebe's talking to, he's like, hey, you know you're a complete dumbass if you can't write in HTML? And Phoebe is like, duh, idiot, I did that on MySpace. (laughs) (laughs) I never used MySpace, so I never learned, I never did the coding thing, so. MySpace was briefly cool when I was like a teenager. Oh. Hi, old. Um, so So we flash back to Buckland's and (gasps) the painting is alive. Prue sees a teeny tiny little man in the painting looking like a little creep. And I want to know, where does he take a shit? Well, there's probably a toilet in there somewhere. I didn't see one. I saw swords. I saw fireballs. And I saw a bookcase. Are there only two rooms in that whole ass castle? There's like the room where everything kills you and the room where everything doesn't kill you. (laughs) (laughs) I I would, I guess, I don't know. Hmm. I'd want to spend most of my time in the room where things didn't kill me. So I guess I would go try to shit in the room with all the swords and fireballs. But also that feels really vulnerable. (laughs) Yes. So I guess I just really hope there's a third room. (laughs) Um, shit. (laughs) So, I mean, after that, we have the opening credits. Kara's Page Brandt is in the credits. That's just wild. Wow. Every time I see it, I'm like, oh. <laughs> the opening song is Needs by Collective Soul. And it's like 90s, easy listening. And it's okay. It sets this like lazy morning mood in San Francisco. I like it. It's not like on my car playlist, but it's fitting. I don't even really remember it. So I'm glad that you did some research. Collective Soul just says 90s immediately as soon as you see it. The next morning, Prue is telling Piper about the teeny bathroomless man while she's taking... <laughs> she's taking forever to pack a Ziploc bag with celery sticks. She did that for so long. Just slowly, one at a time, plopping them in this bag <laughs> while talking to Piper. Um, I legit did not even notice that. It took her so long. And I think they did it so long just so that later they can be like, oh, Prue didn't pack a lunch. She wasn't in here for an extra six hours this morning. Oh, they would notice all the celery is still in the fridge. Okay. (laughs) Got it. So Piper has a bunch of code violations at her club and Prue says she just thinks intensely. She doesn't obsess. Phoebe walks in and is like, hey, um, I didn't wreck your car. And I gotta go. (laughs) And Piper's like, hey, Phoebe, you want to tell Prue about how you did wreck her car? (laughs) And Phoebe is like, no. (laughs) No, No, I don't. No, I would not. No, I told you. Phoebe Phoebe just respond sort of how I would in this situation when I make a mistake like that. I'm like, I know. I know. I did it. I'll fix it. I'll fix it. I know. No, don't help me. I'm fine. I'll fix it. She's very like, Hi, Prue, I know that you hate me and I suck and I'm 
sorry and you're right and you should just just reel back and bitch slap me right now <laughs> that doesn't happen if i were prue i would go ballistic really i w- okay she is like literally on her way out the door to go to work and then phoebe's like by the way <laughs> your car's not here because i wrecked it <laughs> <laughs> i would be like cool it's just that Ever since you were born, <laughs> you know, things have really not been great. <laughs> but she doesn't. No. Um, she's just like, I'm just going to call a cab. Yeah. So the I feel like the conflict here is sort of an extension of the one in The Power of Two, where Phoebe kind of looks down on herself because she thinks that Prue looks down on her. But so Prue doesn't even get mad at her this time. And Phoebe's like, well, well, fine. I'll just be mad at myself <laughs> while you go off and I guess walk to work. Luckily, everything's within two minutes of our house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're not mad at me? Well, only one of us can play in that game. Yeah. Uh, I did have someone crash a car of mine one time and I was fine. I was like, it's okay. I'll get a new one. No big deal. Oh, I would go ballistic. (laughs) (laughs) But Prue is obsessed with figuring out what the mystery is with this teeny tiny man who shit himself. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Why is it, Phoenix, why is it that even though for, there's, there's no reason for this. There's no reason at all. We both know it. Why are you talking about poop? (laughs) Because I just really want to know where he goes to the bathroom. Where he poops. I would wonder more like, where does he splooge? Yeah. He's been like masturbating alone for 90 years. (laughs) He's been vigorously shooting his cum all over the walls. So I would be a little worried, not about the blades coming out of the windows, but maybe what's all over the curtains. (laughs) Piper's in there like, why are there no scorch marks? Why are they all sticky? So she's she's just very into figuring out what she wants to do, even though two episodes ago, she wanted to give up being a witch. She didn't want to be a witch anymore two weeks ago. And now she's like, gotta do the magic, figure out what's going on. Yeah. So I feel like this is an inconsistent character trait for her right now, but it becomes consistent from this point on. Yeah. It's like after she gets past the season two premiere, Prue becomes the one who, like, never runs away from the witchcraft. She's, like, always running toward it. Yeah. And it becomes, like, her whole driving personality trait, actually, from this point on. And I sort of feel like maybe it's an Andy thing. I think you might be right. I think... And what, what do you think? Sorry, go ahead. Well, honestly, I read your notes, and I did actually really agree with you that Andy was the reason that she was so trepidatious about pursuing the things that were coming up for them in season one, this new path that they were on, it was really all about keeping it from Andy. Because when Andy wasn't around, she had no problem doing what she needed to do. And I think that was holding her back. Even though, you know, there were some behind the scenes stuff that led to this happening. I feel like that was why Andy was meant to die. Yes. But I also, I have, I feel like there's like two points there. It's not just because Andy was holding her back. I think also the fact that Andy died drove her to never let it happen again. Because Prue's not just about being in the magic. Prue's about saving the innocence. So I almost feel like even though it's not discussed, every time Prue is obsessed with saving the innocence, it goes back to the big one she didn't save. And it was Andy. Yeah. 
That too. She leans in so hard from this point forward to become a better hero for people that she wants to save. Yeah. Like, yeah. she's inspired by his death and moving past it to be a hero. And that's a good story, just not one that got actually told to us when we had to interpret ourselves. And that's that's the problem with Charmed sometimes, is that it does sort of... It ignores the, like, mundane elements, the emotional elements for the magical, fantastical elements. Here's what I think the big problem is. I think the big problem with Charmed is that it's purposefully episodic and designed for the viewer to be able to pick up whenever they start a new episode, no matter what they've seen previously. And because of that, they do not focus on continuity or overarching stories. They Their first overarching story is like in season six. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first time they tried. <laughs> I want to fuck Neighbor Dan so bad. Even if he does have a piece of food on his face in this scene. Neighbor Dan is beautiful. But Jenny is still here. Jenny is still here. I told y'all in the past that I am a Dan stan. Dan and Piper and Leo should have been together. All three of them, yes. It's so stupid that they're not. I've had it. Every, here's the thing. I say this all the time. Every like mainstream media romantic problem could be solved with polyamory. It's like, well, you know, they were just talking about this on House of Hallowell, so it's not like it is. They thought that a love triangle would be an interesting storyline for season two, and everything was love triangles back then, and love triangles are tired. It's not like everything was love triangles back then. It's like everything has been love triangles forever, and we're just, we're over it. We're done with it. There's no reason that Piper and Dan and Leo can't all be together. I think Leo's a little gay. (laughs) First of all. Leo is totally a little gay. He's totally a bottom. I mean, Piper is the top. Oh, yeah. Real. Of course she is. Piper is 100% the top. But like, I mean, also just like a human and a witch and a white lighter. It's like so... They all so cute. I mean, other than Dan, I guess Leo and Piper both get everything that they need out of either partner at any given time. You know, like if Piper needs a nice normal day, she hangs out with Dan. If she wants her pussy healed, (laughs) (laughs) she can hang out with Leo. Well, the reason, the reason I think they should all be together is because Dan actually does have skills that neither of them have. And the main one is dealing with the real world, (laughs) which Piper and Leo both suck at. That's very true. If they had a Dan in the relationship who could like be the non-magic person who can help them deal with the real world, they really would be a power thruple. I'm sorry. He's the grounding that they need. Yeah, I met with Dan, their relationship would... not be so rocky later on. It would be better. It would be better. And I have this fan fiction about in my head. It's just in my head. It's not real. Maybe I'll write it one day. I have this fan fiction in my head where Dan and Piper and Leo are all in the ghostly plane in season six. And like they all three have sex to conceive Chris. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's hot. I'm a little... So back at Buckland's, Prue's chatting to Ginger Spice, and she's like, (laughs) How could a man be inside a painting? And I still don't have an answer about where he goes to the bathroom. No. um, And neither does Ariel. She just... (laughs) She's like... She's like, Prue, I don't know how to say this to you. And I know this is going to blow your mind. But I have had problems with that painting. (laughs) What's her name? Jane... Um, Fonda. So Raggedy Ann is like, (laughs) 
Okay, the whole deal is that, like, I inherited this painting from my whole-ass crazy family, and I'm gonna go crazy because of this painting. So instead of just destroying the painting, I'm gonna sell it so somebody else goes crazy. Cool? And Prue's like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I think I think this episode would be better if the painting itself was cursed or evil instead of something actually being inside it. But hey, the painting is cursed, just like by a witch for good. <laughs> the painting is basically Melinda's locket. It's just a painting. Yeah, very true. It is Melinda's locket. I'm the 1999 television writer, so... I just think that the twist at the end isn't really needed, but I guess it would be too easy to just burn the painting and call it a day. That would be very easy. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds pretty easy. That's... Yeah. Light the shit up. But I guess they don't know that he's... Ooh. But that's, I mean, but obviously, um, Jane is her name. Not Jane Fonda. No, a just... Different one. Just <laughs> different Jane. Um... Yeah. Yeah, but so Rose McGowan season five is like <laughs> <laughs> she's like she's like, listen, the thing is that there's a man inside this painting. He's totally not my boyfriend. And I totally do want you to let him out. So after that exchange, which it went exactly like that, that was our dramatic reenactment. Phoebe is like, I'm tired of being such a stupid bitch. Let me do a spell to help me learn the first and last word in the dictionary. Misspelled. Misspelled. I don't sound like that. That's what you sound like to me. The smart spell. Phoebe casts a spell that basically makes her absorb every word in a book into her brain by touching it, but not all creepy and scary like Dark Willow, just kind of... <laughs> like, just... I don't know what that sound effect was. <laughs> it was... It's very, like... That. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like she... It's like her hands turn into fans and she puts them over the book and it blows oh, the pages. Yeah. And so she's using the element of air to yeah. receive communication. That's actually really cool. From the, these books. The element of air is involved in the smart spell. That's kind of cool. Yeah. When you said that, it sounds really cool and it really makes me feel bad about just thinking of this joke of calling it her vacuum fingers. <laughs> <laughs> so Phoebe goes up to every book in the house and she's just like... <laughs> she's like I am a fucking genius yeah so Phoebe like speed reads every book in the house and then she's like super smart but it only lasts a day which kind of sucks yeah so the spell goes spirits send the words from all across the land allow me to absorb them through the touch of either hand for 24 hours from 7 to 7 I will understand all meaning of the words from here to heaven Oh, and P.S. There will be no personal gain. Um, the spell is badly written. Can you say run on sentence, Henny? <laughs> run on sentence, Henny. Yeah. And like, why are they always putting time limits on their shit? Why does the spell need to wear off at seven? I don't know. Because if she... Because it raises the stakes, but it's stupid. It raises the stakes. And it also, I guess what it would make it like too easy for it to be personal gain. Because if she went throughout her life like that... Yeah, if she just had it forever. Yeah. I feel like if she had it forever, she would go insane or her brain would explode or like she'd have an aneurysm or something. Oh yeah, that too. That could be a like, side effect. too yeah. much. 
Do you know what, though? So the spell lasts from seven to seven. So seven in numerology is the number of knowledge and wisdom. <laughs> Maths. <laughs> we hate it. Did you just react like a vampire when I held math up to you? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think that, I mean, jokes aside, I think the element of air bit to this is like, that's what I would do if I were doing this spell, like a knowledge spell. I would start with my base of like the air element and then yeah. build my blocks from there. I completely agree. That's yeah. how I think of it too. Um, do you think you could do a spell similar to this? A spell for learning or oh, wisdom or something? Yeah, absolutely. I 100% think that you could do a spell to help gain knowledge. I would call this like wisdom or intelligence magic. Spells to improve your mind or mental function or abilities. Spells to help you learn and study and think critically. All that kind of thing is totally doable. I don't think you're going to like vacuum fingers up the dictionary. It's definitely wouldn't work like that. But I do think that it, it would be very possible to like to do a spell to help you retain the information that you read. Yes. And so I actually have some examples of that. Um, I created a study tea recipe when I was in college and I used it all the time. And I also have an incense for the same thing. It's not super different. It just includes the herbs that you can't put in tea. So I've got that down for you here. If you wanted to make a tea to help you learn or study better, try yarrow, rose, cinnamon, nutmeg, mugwort, nettle, spearmint, lavender, and or lemongrass. Any combination of those of what you have available to you. And it probably tastes pretty good too. Um, if you wanted to add some herbs that you can't put in a tea and drink. Let's do cedar, sandalwood, and bay. Technically, you can put a bay leaf in your tea, but you shouldn't eat the actual leaf. Also, bay leaves taste gross. Yeah, that too. Um, some stones that you can include are amethyst, quartz, anything yellow or yellowish, and clear, like citrine and calcite. I, I associate yellow with air and wisdom, but Me too. it doesn't have to be. Like, I think purple and light blue and gray are all perfectly valid colors. I, I also would think of yellow just because of the air element piece of that, and mm -hmm. that's the traditional color. But yeah, I would also use purple for the mind, especially like the intuitive mind to help you like, know what you need to learn. And I would really say any correspondences that you might use with divination, you could adapt to a spell like this too, because they're both about uncovering information. Yeah. Maybe not in the same ways, but it's still about, like, using your mind and the powers of your mind. Yeah. So anything divination, I think you could apply toward a spell like this. I've also got a list of some wisdom and knowledge deities. Um, there are deities of wisdom and knowledge of all genders and all cultures. So really, like, whatever you're working with, you can find one. I've got a few examples. Um, there's Toth from Egypt, Athena from Greece and her counterpart in Rome, Minerva, um, Lu who is the god that the holiday Lunasa is named after. Lu is the god of skills and mastering skills. Oh. Um, Odin, who like got the knowledge from hanging upside down at the tree. Uh, Saraswati and Ganesha from the Hindu religions both have to do with wisdom and knowledge. Uh, back to Greece, there's the Titaness Metis, and there's the African Orisha, I hope I'm going to say this right, Arunmala. Oh, and then I added also the Greek Hermes because he's kind of gay. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the knowledgeable thing to be. <laughs> yes. Being gay is so smart. <laughs> Best birth control ever. So I also used to have this weird study spell that I got from a Silver Ravenwolf book. Man, I don't know what it was, but I swear to God, that bitch 
have had like when I was like 13 trying to do my homework, she had me like calling upon the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I <laughs> swear to God. I swear to did. I swear to God, I did. I did. I called upon them and asked them to help me like do well on like my science test. <laughs> like, <laughs> my God. Isn't that so weird? I was like a Christian nerd. Ew. And now I do this. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the downfall of America in a nutshell. Siren, I'm like moderately excited that you could come over so we could hang out and watch Charmed. Aw, Phoenix, thanks for having me over at your shoebox apartment where it cost $40 to park. It was definitely worth the three and a half hour drive to get here, but at least we're watching Charmed. Okay, I'm sorry, but these girls have way too many candles lit. Of course you would say that. Oh, damn, that spell could have gone better. Punish the guilty! Yikes, girl. You know what would have made that spell actually work? If they had used a candle from Fundamental Magic. Oh, are you talking about Fundamental Magic? The candle shop for witches, which is independently owned by Beth Wade, who by absolute coincidence just started sponsoring us? That's the one. If the Charmed Ones got their candles from Fundamental Magic, they could kick butt and mask the smell of demon guts, because these candles are all about invoking the feeling of being a badass witch. That's true. My Samhain scented candle came in this adorable purple and black jar, and it really does smell like Samhain. It has these complex notes of witchy herbs and wood smoke, and it smells just like casting a spell in the middle of the night. Beth personally designs all of the fragrances in the Fundamental Magic line, basing the scent profile around witchy concepts such as grimoire and sanctuary and besom. It is literally like so cool that Beth is passionate about candle magic and believes that magical scents, like the ones she infuses into each of her own candles, have the power to unlock memories and manifest desires. When Beth sent me my first Fundamental Magic candle, I was instantly obsessed. They're stylish and they smell good. And on top of that, they're made by a real witch and they make you feel like a real witch. I might as well just mention casually, as I'm sitting on your couch discussing this darling small business, that WBR listeners get a 15% discount if they shop using our affiliate link, fundamentalmagic.com slash witchbitches. And that's magic with a K. And you'll find that link in our show notes is what I would say if we were recording and not just hanging out like normal people watching TV. Oh, no, Phoebe, why you got to be so stupid? Well, whether we're out vanquishing demons or enjoying a magical evening at home, fundamental magic candles are just the thing to conjure up the badass witch that is you. Well said, Siren. Now shut up so I can hear the TV. I'm going to go light some of these fucking candles. Siren, can you please only light one of those? Siren? Siren! So Becca Bucklands, Prue is once again being smart with her stuff degree, and she's like, ooh, a pentamento, which just makes me want those fruit-flavored mentos. Or like a, a pimento? Is that a thing? Yeah. They put it in like cheese and olives and stuff. How is the pimento in the painting? I actually looked this up because I had never heard the word before. I don't, I know, I just always accepted it. <laughs> um, fuck all. <laughs> so a pentimento is um, a visible trace of earlier painting beneath a layer or layers of paint on a canvas. So this painting has an underwriting that says, Absolvo amito amplus brevis sempermea. Prue translates it to, to free what is lost, say these words. Google translates it to, I am completely lost. <laughs> Large, short, always mine. <laughs> 
So relatable. Honestly. So this one-off character, Joe, uh, who's very cute, comes in and is like... He is cute! He's so cute. We don't even... It's just so sad that we don't really have a lot of time to spend on how cute he is. I would make out with Joe in a supply closet. I would too. I would have him bend me over one of those crates in the basement right next to where Jaime got murdered. (laughs) So Joe is like, wow, you speak Latin? And Prue's like... No, not really. (laughs) No, she doesn't. So Prue just gets out her trusty magnifying glass to see this little man. And he has written help on the window. Somehow, I guess there's condensation in the Microsoft Paint app. Because like... Right? How How is there fog on the window? (laughs) Is there... it? I mean, whatever. He would have had to do some heavy breathing. That's where he masturbates. He masturbates by the window to breathe fog onto the window. It's part of the master plan. And maybe the blades, because Malcolm, like me, is into light razor play, maybe the blades help get in there. Um, Prue pulling out her magnifying glass, you made it sound ridiculous. It's probably the first realistic thing she's ever done at that job. <laughs> that doesn't bother me. You know, you are probably right, but it just struck me as so ridiculous. Because she looks like Nancy Drew? Yes. <laughs> to see Shannon Doherty with this mm-hmm. big, this tiny little woman and this big <laughs> magnifying glass in her hand. It's just like, I don't know. So she gets, she gets a good look. She gets a good look at the underwriting. She says it out loud and gets sucked in to meet this fucking youth pastor that's stuck in here. He looks like a child molester. I can't disagree <laughs> with that. And I actually put, I put a lot of thought into this. It is so super stupid obvious that he is a bad guy. Oh, yeah. It's super obvious that he's a bad guy. I was going to talk about his outfit later, but I'll talk about it now since you said he looks like a child molester. Um, <laughs> we're supposed to believe that Malcolm is from the 20s, which is also the point in time in which, um, you know, those sisters were having the speakeasy at the Hollywell Manor. <gasps> oh, yeah. So realistically, he probably knows who they are. Oh, yeah. But the story didn't know that yet. So, um, whatever. But he's from the 20s. And so I looked up men's fashion in the 20s and compared it to his outfit. No. The thing (laughs) is that he's not dressed like he's in the 20s. He's dressed like he's a grandpa in the 90s. (laughs) (laughs) Is the thing. I looked hard at his outfit and I realized that my actual grandfather used to wear exactly that outfit. (laughs) So they're like, oh, he's from the 20s, so let's dress him like an old man from today. (laughs) The next morning, Piper realizes that something is wrong because they're not out of celery. Prue did not bring her 10-pound bag of celery to work with her. (laughs) No. She's like, what? I actually have to lift a finger around the house. There's no coffee. The cat is starved. No one went (laughs) shopping. How am I supposed to fuck the neighbor if I have to do a single thing myself? (laughs) Basically, Phoebe's like, Prue might be here. And Piper's like, no, because I had to do everything. (laughs) Uh, This is continuity, though. After Prue dies, they say that she was always the first one awake in the morning. Yeah. No, it is. And it's great that Piper noticed that she was gone because (laughs) bitch is in trouble. But Phoebe... Is too focused on how annoying she's being. So speaking of outfits. <laughs> um, Phoebe is wearing pigtails and overalls and no shirt. <laughs> she's not wearing a shirt? No, she's not wearing a shirt. She's just wearing overalls <laughs> and pigtails. Like she's Ellie Mae Campbell. Who's Ellie Mae Campbell? She's from the Beverly Hillbillies. I knew you wouldn't get it, but it's very funny. What is this outfit? And, and this is... 
This is what they've chosen to portray to us that she is now smart. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Phoebe's math is total bullshit. Phoebe read every darn book in the house and then she went out back and milked them cows. (laughs) (laughs) So what is AskRainMan.com? Okay, I never understood this line and I asked David to explain it to me. It's a joke and it's not funny. Which is the problem. Gotcha. It's a pretty big problem. Um, Ask Jeeves was a search engine that is now just ask.com. And Rain Man was an 80s movie about a quote unquote autistic savant. Yes, listeners, I do know there's a huge problem with that trope, but this is not the space to get into it. But the point is that Piper combined those two references into a joke that's not funny. Yeah, that sucks. It does. (laughs) Um, There is a continuity error that I want to point out in the next scene, because Prue has been sucked into the painting and knocked this guy in the head, I guess. Um, and he's bleeding. But just a couple episodes from now, we learn that warlocks don't bleed. Which doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> Which doesn't make any fucking sense. Actually, I think the episode where they say warlocks don't bleed, I think that's the lack of continuity. We think of it as true for the rest of the series, but... I think warlocks continue to bleed pretty regularly through, throughout the series. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. But you're right. Malcolm does bleed. I'm pretty sure Brendan also bled. Uh, no, Brendan didn't bleed. He just patted around in that priest's blood for a little <laughs> bit because he was like... No, but it's also, didn't the warlock brothers have to like cut themselves for one of their spells and bleed? I don't remember. That whole thing just was feeling very pornhub.com to me. The- do warlocks bleed or not? Do they have air conditioning or not? <laughs> like, what is going on? I don't... Also, he can blink, too. Which, before, was just a power that that one warlock had, but now it's something that all of them do. Yes. Which, I like it better that blinking is a warlock-specific thing, because at least we can identify them by something. But yeah, this is the point at which they were like, all warlocks blink, even though they told us before that it was a witch power that Malcolm stole. Not Malcolm. Um, long hair, sexual harassment, half-naked guy. Um. (laughs) Um, it's what you deserve. What's his name? Is it Zach? It's not Zach. Zachary. Zach is not is it Michael? I don't know. Is it... What was his name? Melinda's ex-boyfriend. Anyway. <laughs> also, Malcolm says he's been in the in there for 70 years, which means he got trapped in 1929. And which is literally the year that um, Phoebe's past life died. Oh. Pretty sure. Kevin oh. will correct me if I'm wrong. Just leave it in. He'll send me a message. Yeah. <laughs> and then a bunch of pictures of him half naked, so it'll be worth it. Hey, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Um, I mean, X-rays had been around for a while at that point, but I feel like him having X-ray vision is a little sus. Oh, yeah. So I, I was concerned that that might be anachronistic. Where did my information go? But it looks like X-rays were first used in, like, the 1800s? Oh, yes. Um, I did look this up. Some of the first x-rays were used in hospitals in 1896. So x-rays totally existed in 1929. I don't know if we were using them on paintings. But actually, so Malcolm doesn't tell Prue that he used an x-ray. Malcolm is very smart to Prue when she asks him how he could see the writing. He says the same way you did, probably. And then Prue fills in the blanks. Yes. And he does have the power of x-ray vision, but I'm just, like, him knowing what that word means. And, like, her assumption that he used one even though 
Mm-hmm. That was a long fucking time ago. But anyway, realistically, Malcolm could have had access to x-rays or known what they were. Phoebe's being annoying at P3, but wearing a hard hat this time. A lot of good that will do in a fucking crop top. Maybe. I believe she's wearing a top. Even when she's smart, she's stupid. So while that's going on, Piper just, you know, enacts the art heist of the century. Yeah, she just walks into Buckland's and steals a painting. And they were like all dramatic when Prue did it with a tiara, but I guess it's okay if it's Piper. Well, I mean, remember when Andy almost cut Prue's head off over a fucking owl feather at a museum? Yeah, I was like, soup's mad. But I, it's, it is funny that Piper can just like take the painting and like just walk out. She freezes Joe. She freezes Joe. She freezes Joe and then just leaves. And then he unfreezes and she's gone. And we're just fine with that. And Joe is like, oh, it sucks that I'm so hot that I don't know what's going on. (laughs) (laughs) Did she just freeze every person that she walked by on the way down? Like, how did she get that home? But no one knows. Well, no, but then we see her. She's like, hold the elevator. I'm not stealing this painting. (laughs) Do you, is, is we, like... Does Buckland's have no kind of security in place where, like, if someone is leaving the offices with a piece of artwork, they're like, hey, I don't know. Like, I feel like even, like, a Costco door greeter could handle the situation. (laughs) But, (laughs) yeah, not much would need to be done to stop her, really. Yeah, but Piper just steals the haunted painting. So back at the manor, Phoebe's, again, being annoying. I do want to say that I like the camera work when they're inside the painting and the painting is moving. Yes. Because obviously the set's not moving. It's all camera. And um, it's pretty good. Like, even if you just, like, stare at it and focus on it. Because I did. I watched the scene a few times to watch the camera work. And um, I think it's pretty solid work. Um. It makes it look like they are moving around. (laughs) Even though they're not. I mean, that is the goal of filmmaking. Yeah. look like you're moving even if you're not. So I wanted to call that out because it's a really great, like, low-budget effect that is just the cameraman's skill. Yeah. I think that's good. And I want to point out something negative. <laughs> Go um, figure. And I think th- th- this this part after Piper and Phoebe have this conversation. Actually, let's talk about their conversation first. They talk about Phoebe talks about her insecurities about not having a college degree and feeling like she's not smart and feeling like her not having a four year degree makes her inferior to her sister. And Piper makes a really good point that Phoebe knows things that Piper will never know or learn because. Of the experiences and the life experience that she has. And it was being so different from each other. And I think that that is a really important piece to bring to the conversation. I think that Piper was a really great sister in that moment. Yeah. Not a selfish bitch. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I really like that conversation. I feel like we kind of had that conversation amongst ourselves. Yeah. Earlier. But I do like it. It reinforces what the show was always supposed to be about. Which is they are powerful because they have different strengths and they use them all together. Yes. Phoebe's strengths are not the same as her older sisters, but she has abilities that they don't. She has street smarts that neither of them have. And that was the point of the whole episode, and that's what they were telling us, and I think it's done well. I think so, too. Um, but this this part, after after they have that conversation, Piper picks up the, the, the x-ray picture from the painting, and all she does is say these words out loud. No conviction, no intention, nothing. And and it just works. Like, there's no power behind the things that she's saying. She's just saying the words. And I don't like it, but it's worth it for how funny she is inside the painting. <laughs> she is funny in the painting. But I think that's okay because this isn't a spell. It's a trap trigger. That's true. It wasn't because... The witch who made it didn't design it to be read like a spell. It was a, it was a trick. She wanted to trick Malcolm into saying it out loud. Okay. Well, thinking about it that way, yeah. If it's if it's a trigger to a spell that was already done, 
then that makes a little bit more sense. Mm -hmm. So it's not like anybody's like purposefully trying to go inside the painting. I stand by my point. But that doesn't mean your point is not valid later. Yeah, because later on, it's like bad. Because any other time they've cast a spell up until this point, it's been out of a need. And there's some sort of like... If I say a spell out loud and I don't like the way I sound it, I'll be like, okay, I'm sorry, universe, give me a second. <laughs> like, I'm going to take five and redo it. <laughs> yeah, just like, give me a quick little break. I'll like look at my spell and be like, this isn't working. I think we need to do a bedroom scene or something, you know? <laughs> In the next scene, Piper says how she doesn't want to live forever inside of their painting. But honestly, I think that sounds awesome. Um, They got a free house, two of them now. They have a manor and a castle. Fuck you guys. Yeah. Fuck the Halliwells. One percenter bitches. Honestly. And I still need to know where is the bathroom. Because now there's three of them. Now there's three of them. But I don't think they get to eat, right? I mean... If there's there's... not a bathroom, there's certainly not a kitchen. I doubt there's food in there. Because food is, like, fun. (laughs) (laughs) So warlocks can just... You know, we don't really know. Like, is being in the painting, like, just make you, like, sort of immortal and timeless in, like, a miserable kind of way? Or does Malcolm survive not eating and live forever because he's a warlock? But that doesn't make sense. Yeah, I don't really stand behind the warlocks or people too thing because... So I feel like warlocks are supposed to be people too, and they forgot. Yeah. Because to me, like, warlocks and witches are the same thing, and the divide is a moral one. Yeah. That's how I always understood it at first. That's how they explained it at first. But it's like warlocks have become like a separate race of demons or something. They're like the stupid shit demons. (laughs) Yes. They're like, if demons like sucked a little bit, they'd be warlocks. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's how demons feel about it. (laughs) Yeah. And just like, when Piper is in the painting and she goes over to the window and Prue's like, Piper, be careful. Or no, Prue doesn't say that. Malcolm says that. And the swords come out of the wall and Piper's like, (laughs) Blades! Well, yeah, because Malcolm was like, be careful near the window. And Piper's like, what's near the window? And he's like, my cum. Well, I came all over the curtains. (laughs) (laughs) Also, there's this thing with blades. (laughs) (laughs) It's not everyone's thing, so I tend to to save that for the third or fourth date. (laughs) Wow, I super duper hate Jenny. Jenny is the fucking worst in this scene. She's so bad. Like, Phoebe is like, she's got her hands over the Book of Shadows, and (laughs) I keep waving my hands over the microphone every time I do that. I just want to tell you guys, because you can't see it, and you're also not going to hear it, because it don't make a sound. Because it's just my hands. (laughs) But I am doing it! Um... She barges in after Phoebe's like, um, I don't have time for you right now, you stupid little bitch. And she's like, I figured we could just hang out, watch some television. Get out of her house. She's like, um, I lied to my Uncle Dan about not knowing about sex because I'm actually a little whore, even though I could barely manage my period two episodes ago. You remember. (laughs) Um, But I've been binge watching the movie 13 and I know all about fucking boys. So I figured that we could just watch TV while I infringed upon your life. Fucking shit. That little little harlot. And Phoebe's like, well, Jenny, I think that We both know that this is annoying. (laughs) 
Yeah, they just wrote her to be horrible. I feel like this feels like it's on purpose. This was this. She couldn't come back from this scene. I feel like I don't know why they wrote her this way. I don't know why they wrote Jenny to be so annoying. After this scene, you're just like done with her. (laughs) Phoebe is finally like, "Bitch, get out!" And her kicking Jenny out leads us to this other scene where we see that Emma Stone is outside and just creeping. She's creeping, creeping. And she's like, she's like, she's like nuzzled down in her little Barbie dream car with her glasses, just like slightly down over the tip of her nose. She's like, I'm the only character in the whole season with red hair. Bet you don't notice me. (laughs) (laughs) If this ginger bitch is outside your house peering over her sunglasses... I would notice. I would notice. Uh, and like, what are we supposed to think? She's like out there like, that stupid fucking bitch has my painting. <laughs> <laughs> I want my painting. Why did I just turn French? I don't know. Why did you turn into Cookie Monster? <laughs> so Phoebe only just now uses her power on the Book of Shadows. She read every other book, but not that one. <laughs> yeah, just now. She's Only like, just now was she like, this book might come in handy. You know what would be helpful for this witch who cast a smart spell on herself? Read my spell book. <laughs> what we learn is that some witch named Nell cursed a warlock into a painting. Um, who wants to talk about cursed paintings? Ooh, I do. Wrong. Welcome to You Must Be Myth Taken, the part of the show where we call out the wild inaccuracies and misrepresented figures, features, and creatures in mythology. So, Phoenix and I have two directions to take this segment down, and I'm going to go first. When I started researching actual cursed paintings, what I mostly got was, like, probably haunted paintings. Um, And we are going to share some images of these on our social media when the episode comes out so you can look at like how super upsetting they are. Because they fucking are. (laughs) (laughs) They're so bad. We were researching these together the other day and Siren kept showing me pictures of these paintings and I was like, please stop. They're the worst things you've ever seen in your life. Um, So... Um, the first one is called The Crying Boy, and it's just this picture of this, like, sad-ass little boy. <laughs> um, it was mass-produced, and a lot of people bought it and put it in their homes, um, I want to say around World War II was when it was happening. So this painting was everywhere, right? Um, and so it kept being found completely untouched in amid the ruins of burned-down houses, <laughs> And so people started to think, okay, well, the only thing that survived this fire was this creepy painting of a crying child. (laughs) So, like, um, is this mass-produced little fucker burning down people's houses? (laughs) Um, So that was a thing people thought for a long time. It is possible that the inks used to mass-produce the painting were flame retardant, and that's why it didn't burn. And so it was probably just coincidental that it was there unburned, and they... The home's probably burned for some other reason. But 
it's still an interesting little legend, right? And I, but it's weird that this is just like happening in like people that bought this painting. It's their houses, you know, that are burning. Yeah, well, I mean, it also was like a longer time ago. Like technology was not as great. There were electrical fires. No. There was like less funded fire departments. So there's all that kind of social stuff to take into account too. That's fair. Yeah. Fires used to be way more common than they are now. The entire city that we are currently sitting in once burned to the ground. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Yes. Okay, so the second one I wanted to talk about is The Anguished Man. And of everything I researched, this one kind of creeped me out the most because I watched a video of it. Um, It's owned by a man named Sean Robert... It's owned by a man named Sean Robinson, and he lives in England. He made a couple of YouTube videos about the painting. He says that he inherited it from his grandmother, and she told him that it was allegedly painted with the artist's own blood just before he committed suicide. We have no name for this artist, um, which to me is a red flag for the validity of the story. But I don't know. Apparently, people who stay in the house with the painting observe moaning, crying, and whispering sounds that all sound masculine, and sensing or even seeing the presence of a man, um, which is super creepy. So the guy made these videos where allegedly everyone in the house was asleep, and he just pointed a camera at the painting like all night. And there are these periodic just like banging sounds. There's one clip where the painting just falls over. (laughs) (laughs) And that could easily be faked. But I will tell you, it also scared the shit out of me. (laughs) Yeah, I don't like that one. (laughs) No, I don't like that at all. Um, And it is, the painting is very upsetting. It's called The Anguished Man. And that's exactly what it looks like. (laughs) That is what it makes you feel. So we have this story where we imagine some unknown painter was feeling the worst despair of his life while he was... Feeling that, he painted a picture of despair with his own blood and then killed himself. Well, that sounds like a curse to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it does. (laughs) Shit. Okay, the hands resist him is one I wanted to bring up because this one's super creepy. It's two little kids with huge foreheads. They look like aliens. Also, what is that title? The hands resist him? It implies grossness. (laughs) It does. Grossness. Um, apparently a gallery owner and the first critic to review the painting both died soon after coming into contact with it. And apparently when it's around, there are technical disturbances, sort of like that slider phenomena that we covered last season. Apparently sometimes people black out or faint when they're looking at it. Oh my god, what the fuck? Super awesome. Um, and apparently there's a TikTok video out there of one of the kids crawling out of the painting. I didn't look at it because... I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, that feels like some shit from the ring. Uh, yeah. Not about that life. Uh-uh. Um, I'm bringing in this last one because it's been totally debunked, and I wanted to use it as an example of why these stories are fascinating, but often there's not a lot of truth to them. So um, this last one I'm talking about is called Love Letters. Sometimes it's called The Portrait of Samantha Houston, but this is incorrect. The painting is rumored to be haunted by a girl named Samantha Houston, but it's not actually a painting of her, and the child who died didn't look anything like the girl in the painting. So, this painting called Love Letters exists inside the Driscoll Hotel in Austin, Texas, and the rumor is that Samantha Houston, who is a real person who did die in this hotel, haunts the painting. Apparently she fell down some stairs while playing with a ball. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Samantha. Well, I've 
That's, I mean, you know, if she didn't die at the end, it probably would be pretty funny. But I think the child death thing sort of spoils the joke. Maybe not for you. (laughs) But, like, I mean, that whole, that creepy child ghost playing with a ball thing, like, that's sort of culturally iconic. Maybe that's where it comes from. Could be. Yeah, so people believe that Samantha Houston, who died in the hotel while the painting was also present in the hotel, that she now haunts it. And sometimes people think that, like, um, they see the face moving or changing in some way on the painting. But, um, like I said, I brought this one up because it's a fake. Because there's all sorts of reports on the internet that this is a painting of Samantha Houston and that its title is the the portrait of Samantha Houston. And that's just... A lie. It's a completely exaggerated fact to make the story more fun and creepy. And that could be the case with all of this. Um, but I do think I, I like these examples because love letters and the anguished man both reflect a belief that people's spirits can become attached to or even trapped inside paintings, which is similar to what's happening in the episode. Um, And the idea of a person's soul being connected to or trapped in a painting exists in all kinds of fantasy media from all time periods. We're talking like from Supernatural to the picture of Dorian Gray. This is a cultural archetype. And as usual, Charmed has made it kind of different and interesting. The concept of magical artwork in general is really fascinating. And it's something that lends itself really well to actual witchcraft? Yes. So I want you to take over here because everything I talked about seems to be caused by tragedy, not magic. So now Phoenix is going to tell us how would a real witch put a spell on a painting? So I guess we have to start with what art magic actually is. And it's basically just how it sounds. It's using artwork, the medium of making art, to reach a magical goal. And if we want to focus on that with just paintings, there's a bunch of different ways that you could go. You could do exactly what Nell did and paint a trigger for a protection spell underneath or as a base layer of a painting. Like, you could maybe create a false target of yourself for baneful magic with a painting. Paint a picture, a self-portrait, a caricature with some sort of trigger word underneath it for that magic to absorb into. I really love the idea of using a, a pimento or whatever. Like, for <laughs> real. Like, they, like Nell does. So you, you're saying that you, you, we could, anybody could, like, paint a sigil or the words of a spell and then just paint a painting over it and, like, put it on your wall? Yeah, 100%. You could absolutely do that. Because that's cool as balls. You can use painting as a form of divination by painting a depiction of a future event, sort of like um, Elaine from The Love Witch does. My God. God, she does. There's so much painting in that movie. Yeah. So, and she's using like recreations of the tarot to tell her own story, to predict events that are going to happen to her. So you could even incorporate creating your own tarot deck for your like events in your life that have happened to you and make it like a, almost like a memoir of your life to have all of these decks of experiences that you've had. Or you can create artwork by devoting them to deities or spirits you work with or creating images of them. And if you happen to create a painting that's really horrible and sucks, let's just hope it doesn't suck you inside of it like it does in the episode. But I think there's so much that you could do here that's so fascinating. And all of it like translates really well between 
art and witchcraft. And I think that that's just really cool. I think everything translates well between art and witchcraft. And that's the place where I live in. And I guess what what we really want to say is that no matter what you do with your art magic, you always need to consider where are you going to shit? So... Phoebe has to learn a reversal spell to get her sisters out of the painting and away from Malcolm, who we now know is a warlock, who sounds very 20s now that he's come out. Like, he went from, like, talking like a normal human being or, like, maybe a grandpa to being like, I got the drop on you, laddie. He is a really when he comes out. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like... <laughs> Do it again. <laughs> see? I should have showed you, you see? Uh. Uh, so Phoebe, Phoebe learns this phrase right before her smart spell ends and she gets attacked again. And it is... It's mostly correct, except that the second word in the phrase should be verba and not verva. The first word. It's, oh, yeah. Ver, well, it's verva, vulva omnes liberace. Right? <laughs> yes. Vulva? But verba <laughs> means word. Um, Phoebe says verva, and that is not, it's not a Latin word. Verba omnes liberant. Does that actually mean words for yourself? Is that correct? I believe so. Phoebe does something really cool in sending in a cat with the reversal spell on it, right? And that's great. But here's my thing. Malcolm says that spell and leaves. Prue and Piper can't remember it. They do hear it, though. (laughs) (laughs) They heard it. Do you know what literally no one in the world can do? And it's remember three words. (laughs) Because Malcolm can't do it, Phoebe can't do it, Prue and Piper can't do it, Kit the Cat can't do it. <laughs> um, they act like Phoebe sending Kit into the painting is like this super smart thing. Okay. Okay. How did that happen? Phoebe said the spell that she knew would suck someone into the painting, and then she just, what? She holds Kit up like she's Rafiki on Pride Rock and throws the cat into a portal? I would go ballistic. This is the second time today I'm going ballistic on Phoebe. In the morning, she wrecked my car, and in the afternoon, she threw my cat into a portal. But, like, why didn't she just go in? And, like, have the words in her hand and yeah. be like, hey, I have the words. Let's get out. He's like, yeah. hey, I brought the spell. Actually, I also memorized the spell because it's three words. <laughs> what the fuck? I could go into the painting right now and get right back out. <laughs> yes. Same. This but so instead we have to abuse the cat by throwing it into a portal. I'm just imagining if one of my two cats were in there. Because Celine, she would immediately partner with the warlock. I know that. She'd go right up to him. <laughs> and Freya, you're not sending my three-legged bitch into a moving, burning down castle. She is not equipped to navigate that situation. <laughs> no. no. And what does Kit do? Kit's like, hey, Mr. Warlock, do you want to steal my collar? I'm going to go hide in the corner because I'm a fucking cat. This is a nightmare. <laughs> God. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I would go ballistic. <laughs> Malcolm gets out of the painting, reveals his entire plan to Phoebe, and then she kicks his ass. She totally kicks his ass. I think this is the best application of the spell. She says that she read a martial arts manual man, man, book. <laughs> <laughs> she read a martial arts manual and now she knows how to kick his ass. Knowledge is power. Yeah. Um, so Malcolm runs outside singing part of your world to the little mermaid. <laughs> um, and they make out and they talk about stealing Phoebe's powers. Cause who wouldn't want to see the future all the time? I thought that was interesting that, the Little Mermaid always wanted to see the future. Like, everybody always acts like Phoebe's powers suck. But this person wanted her power. Yeah, well, she can already, like, she's got Jeremy's aim of flame finger power. Yeah, she does! So the only thing she's missing is premonitions, I guess. <laughs> and her boyfriend. I can double as a birthday candle, but you bet your ass I want to see the future. Yeah. I not only can light your birthday candles, but I know when your fucking birthday is. <laughs> she's a warlock. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, she's a woman warlock. A lady lock. A lady lock. <laughs> a war lady. A war lady. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so Phoebe uses her criminal skills to save the day. I love that journey for her. I love the way that Malcolm blinks in and then Tori Amos just sort of like Kool-Aid mans right through the front door. (laughs) And she's like, hi, I'm a warlock and I tricked your stupid sister. I'm going to set your whole fucking house on fire. (laughs) With one? With her finger. And that is a little bit more impressive. Jeremy was just like, hey, this is... Well, this is fire. <laughs> oh my god, look at my you manicure. Can, you can look at it. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, she, like, sets that shit on fire, like, real fast. But the way that she walks in, though, she, like, she, like, trots like a disgruntled 12th grader. Like, <laughs> I feel like she's, like, super pleased with herself. Yeah. She's pleased with herself like a 12th grader who just told on somebody. <laughs> yes. Well, a 12th grader is a senior in high school. <laughs> I meant 12-year-old. Either one. She's a 12-year-old 12th grader, and she's really smug. <laughs> yes. She just trots on in there, like, pumping her arms and leaning forward. <laughs> yeah, she really does. <laughs> she, I mean, she's pretty, she tricked them. She yeah. got two of them stuck in a painting, then she lit it on fire, and she got her boyfriend back. <laughs> she's feeling pretty good. Yeah. She did everything she wanted. She's drunk with power. She's like, I checked every single thing on my to-do list mm-hmm. today. It's been a good day. So. So Phoebe... Gets them all sucked into the painting. Yes. Because she can read that Latin even though she can't anymore. Because she's stupid now, you guys. <laughs> Did I, We forgot to mention, Phoebe is stupid again, so we're back to normal. <laughs> yes. The painting's all burn, baby, burn, disco, inferno. And there's no organization to the Book of Shadows. At all. Um, we have not even talked shit about the Book of Shadows yet. The relevant page in the Book of Shadows is written in Latin. Because the witch who cast the spell in America <laughs> could only have it written in their book in Latin. Because why? <laughs> who knows? I guess we needed to protect that page from prying eyes. Every single other one in the big witchcraft book is in English. <laughs> but not that one. Not that one. Because only 
A smart witch can read that page. Yes, no one wants... <laughs> Too bad Phoebe's stupid now. We have to... We, you know what? We have to keep the secret of the contained most evil Sinister 20s voice in the world. That cannot be released again. Mm-mm. No one needs to hear... <laughs> gotcha! Because a warlock who can see through shit... That's a big problem. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's so stupid. What the fuck else does he do? He teleports around and he looks through stuff. I mean, Princess Merida is more intimidating at this point. Yeah. You don't even need him. No. Uh, so I'm pissed off because now... The building is on fire. Thank God you put my cat there, you stupid bitch. <laughs> and uh, then, and then they're like, oh, we almost forgot about Kit. How did you almost forget to save the cat from a fiery death? Because you suck, all of you. They all suck. They are terrible people. I am the only person advocating for Kit right now. <laughs> I'm going to come in <laughs> with PETA. <laughs> and I am going to rescue Kit from this house of ill repute. Yeah. I had it. Why did Phoebe have to tell Piper to freeze the bad guys? I don't know. Piper often stands there not freezing people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's that about? She does the whole not freezing people all the time. She does it a lot. There's a lot of time when people are not frozen, and they probably just should be. <laughs> yes. Like, any time, like, a bad guy started, like, telling me their plan, I'd be like, hold on. <laughs> I'd be like, actually, instead of that, I'm going to kill you real quick. <laughs> yes! Like, why? And I'll be like, well, I guess I'll go back to my normal life. <laughs> Underutilized power. I'm telling yeah. you, when you're in a burning building, when a demon is monologuing, when a customer is monologuing. When someone asks you a question. <laughs> anytime. Hold on. <laughs> anytime. Um... So, they get out. Long story short, because Phoebe has pickpocketed Malcolm and got Kit's collars back with the three words that nobody could remember, even though everyone has said them multiple times. Whatever. I mean, okay, it's cool that, like, they were like, hey, Phoebe's a pickpocket, screw-uppy, criminal slut, and that's okay, and that's why she's valuable. I think that's cool. She picked his pocket. But, like, you wouldn't need to pick his pocket if you could... Remember three words. <laughs> yes. Remember three words. Remember three words. That's uh, what I need from you. <laughs> uh, but thankfully, after their pockets are picked, the warlocks can also not remember the three words. And they're like, oh, no, there's no paper to read the three words from that I already said. <laughs> so I guess we're fucked. <laughs> yeah. And then we transition and they put the fire out. And Prue's like, I didn't want them to die. Why? I just wanted them to suffer forever. <laughs> Why? Why didn't you want to kill them? I would want them to die. Yeah. Because, like, 80 years from now, like, some other stupid witch who can't read Latin is probably gonna get sucked into a painting. Yeah, exactly. Um, but at the end, there's some really cute stuff going on. Piper's gonna get her club fixed, and Phoebe gets presents. So there was this part where they said if Phoebe rescues them, they would get her shoes and a purse to match. And um, I'm struggling because they don't match. <laughs> no, they, <laughs> they don't. don't match in the slightest. The purse is like peacock and brown. The purse doesn't match itself. <laughs> and then we're supposed to pair that with strappy black drag queen shoes. 
Those shoes are huge. <laughs> so big. Those shoes would have fit me. That is a chunky heel. Like, Mm-mm. like I'll tell you what Phoebe Hollowell and I have in common, and it's a men's size 14 shoe. <laughs> <laughs> you know what they say about big feet? Phoebe has them. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so we experienced a lot of deaths today. And I think, like, my favorite one is probably Low Rent, Lindsay Lohan. Because bitch deserved it. Yeah, she was really the the evil mastermind. Yeah, she was a Behind conniving little everything. twat. She was a conniving little twat. I sort of ship, I like, I sort of stand her, I think. <laughs> Maybe I like her a little bit. Okay, so who's better, her or Cinda? Cinda. 100%. Yes. Obvious. Like, that's not, that's not a fair <laughs> comparison. Uh, um, my kill of the day, how about the secret that Piper is a witch? Because she froze Joe and just disappeared with stolen property right in front of him. I feel like he'd have to report that. And then maybe we'd see some camera footage, right? Like, especially after Prue stole that tiara. You know they put a camera in her office. Yeah, 100%. Right? At least they should have. And then so, like, she did the same thing to Josh. Is there a support group for guys like Josh and Joe who have frozen and had a woman disappear from right before their very eyes? Yes, but it's... They're called alien abduction support groups because that's what they think happened. Oh. No, I think there should honestly just be a Piper's Exes support group. <laughs> that's what San Francisco needs. <laughs> honestly, Leo should start it. Yes. But I mean, like, Dan, <laughs> he needs therapy <laughs> by the end of this. Kill of the day. So if I were going to rate this episode... I would give it zero out of three words, because nobody can fucking remember them. <laughs> what words? <laughs> <laughs> I am completely lost. <laughs> um, if I were going to rate this episode, I would give it just a whole lot of sperm on paper, which is also my plan for right after this. <laughs> All right, Phoenix, where can the people find you? You can find me on Instagram at Phoenix Arcana Lightwood. You can find me on Twitter at Phoenix Arcana underscore. And also, I recently started a new job uh, at the Malloway Bros, a cult shop here in Rogers Park. Um, you might remember them from our episode, uh, Teenage Angsty Murder Witches. On the Craft Legacy, where they were so good. They were hey, s- boys. Hi, hi, hi. Um, I now work there and am a shopkeep and witch and a tarot reader full time. So you can email me personally to book a reading with me um, at phoenix.a.lightwood at gmail.com. You can follow the podcast across the board at WBRcast on almost all platforms. We are Witch Bitches Review on Twitter. We are WBRcast on Instagram. We are WBR, a pop culture witchcraft podcast on Facebook. Because those bitches at Facebook won't let me say bitch. God damn it. <laughs> bitch. <laughs> bitch, 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 bitch. Those bitch. goddamn Facebook bitches. This, you can also find us at WBRCast on Buy Me a Coffee if you'd like to contribute one time or regularly to the success of the show, which is growing all the time, thanks to fabulous listeners like you. All right, all you Ivy League yuppie corporate trust fund 1% dirty puppy daddy bastards. Until next time, keep on witching. No, Siren, you just said a lot. I'm going to say and bitchin' too. Okay! And bitchin'.
Bye. A spell to obtain a job. Phoenix. <laughs> a spell to obtain a job. The spell will require a green candle, honey, ground cinnamon and basil, a bay leaf, and a writing utensil. A Thursday or a new moon are opportune times to cast this spell. Dress the candle in honey, roll it in the ground herbs, then ignite the wick. Inscribe the title of the job you desire on a bay leaf and set it alight in the candle's flame. Recite the following incantation four times. By this candle and its light, bring employment to my sight. As I will, so shall it be. Find the job that's right for me. Repeat this spell each week until the job is yours. Are you a good witch or a bad witch?